0: This presentation is from UX Australia 2019, Sydney.
1: Our next speakers are Fiona and Harriet, and they'll be talking about bite-sized activism. Please join me in welcoming them to the stage. Thank you. Hi there, everyone. Um, is, I know we're in, at Friday afternoon. I hope everybody's still got a bit of energy, and um, if you've had a coffee, that's great because um, we'll be talking a bit about coffee in this presentation as well. Um, so, yeah, we'd just like to introduce we, today. We'd like to talk to you about bite-sized activism, which is um, our attempts to look at how we might be able to massage discrete chunks of volunteer time into something that's meaningful in the service of the social enterprise Streets Planet Plan. So, I'm Fiona. I'm a human-centred designer. I work two days a week at the Social Enterprise Street and three days a week at Make Studios.
0: I'm Harriet. I also work at Make Studios and we've been lucky enough to partner with Street on this really interesting initiative.
1: Yeah, and we also wanted to just mention um, Louise Long, who's in the audience here, because she actually played an enormous part in in what we did. Um, Yeah, so we, we felt that it was important to mention Louise as well. Yeah.
0: So... Working and shall I drive?
1: I think maybe that might be good if you don't mind. Well, while, while Harriet's doing that, I'll just mention, so what we'd like to do is we'd like to share a little bit with you about Street and what Street is. Um, we'd then like to share with you a bit about the problem that we saw that we needed to solve um, and in how we might be able to actually action things on Street's Planet Plan and how we might be able to actually corral volunteer time. And we will then share with you some experiments that we did in harnessing volunteer time and what went well, what didn't go so well and, um, and what we learnt from that, what we think might be relevance or interest to you as well and finally we want to share with you an element that we came out with at the very end of our um, bite-sized activism experiments which is called september so, we'll talk to you about those. Um, but first of all, I'll just share a little bit. With, we do have some slides, but um, I'll add a little bit here. <laughs> um, so, Street is a social enterprise in, based out of Melbourne. Has anybody heard of Street? Have people heard about it? There's a few people over here, people over there. Yeah, so basically, Street is a social enterprise that helps young people who really need a hand. They might have had a hard start in life and haven't been able to, um, you know, get, get gainful employment, etc. And the young people between the ages of 16 and 24, and Street helps them with um, hospitality-based training as well as life skills training and they come in and they take part in a a, um, six-month or um, six-week programs depending on what they would like to do and um, and so the street does that street has um, seven cafes In Melbourne um, as well as a bakery, a roastery and um, a catering service and five of the cafes are located anybody can get to them but what's really interesting is two of those cafes are actually within a corporate environment where only employees can get to them and a little bonus of that is that because you know Streets mainly sells coffee is that they can actually have a closed system where people can reuse the coffee cups so that's quite nice. The other thing that's really important, and I kind of need the graph for this, but I'm going to try and go off my brain here, Um, basically just a little bit about the young people who come to street. So they are faced with a lot of background issues that they're dealing with, and those background issues can range from things like, yes, here we are, very good. Thank you. <laughs> um, so basically, that can range from things like a lot of people, young people have had issues with drug or alcohol problems. Uh, a large proportion of them are either currently homeless or they have been homeless in the past. About a third have had issues with the legal system. And um, a lot of them have... Well, none of them are employed at, uh, or they're, very few of them are employed. And that's very hard. But before I continue on about the, the trainees, one of the other really lovely things about STREET's program is MAGIC. And there's MAGIC doing her MAGIC, basically. So MAGIC's a dog with a difference. She doesn't look like a blueberry muffin like we saw this morning. But what she does is she's a trained therapy dog. And if you can imagine these trainees, they come into STREET and um, they are often disengaged and they often suffer from high levels of anxiety. And if you like dogs, and a dog is trained for you to pat and be gentle, it can be the equivalent of a low dose of Valium in terms of helping you feel stable and able to stay. So, um, Magic is a really, really important part of Streets' program. The only bad thing about Magic is that she stuffs up all the stats. So, the trainees actually rate her at over 100%. So, it means it's really hard to work out how, at how well the program's going based on those stats. So then moving on, yeah, here's a quote from one of the trainees, just to give you an idea of how it matters to the trainees. So this person said, you know, I know I dropped out, but as soon as I got out of jail, I knew where I wanted to be, and that was back at Cromwell, which is the flagship cafe. Thanks for taking me back and putting me into Entree, which is the entry-level training program. So you can see, you know, somebody who is dealing with having to be in jail and things like that, this makes a big difference to them. But the other thing that's really important about Street is while Street helps with us from a social impact perspective, it also helps from a monetary perspective. So there's an estimate that Street will have saved from today... Um, it's estimated that Street has already saved the government about $16 million if you consider the lifespan of the young people that have already been through the training programs. And that's because people can be gainfully employed. There's an estimate that they are unlikely to be going back to jail. Um, it's estimated that they're going to have fewer presentations at hospitals and other... and. Yeah, hospitals and police and all of those sorts of things. So there's an opportunity for people to be more stable, and that affects us as well as taxpayers. So there's a monetary element to that as well. Yeah, so here's Beck. Beck Scott is a bit of a badass. She's done a lot of amazing things. Um, she's very, very inspirational, and she's won a lot of awards. And she was a founder, Beck Scott was a founder of Street, and she and her partner Kate, they made sure that when they started Street they thought about not just the social impact difference they were making, but also thinking about a hospitality-based industry has the potential to actually really p- make a heavy impact on the environment. So, um, one of the really important things, STREET was founded on the idea, a three-pronged approach, and that was about people, planet and performance. So, the important thing about the planet is STREET has a planet plan to go with that. And um, that planet plan outline, it's a 50-year plan, which seems a bit ridiculous potentially, but it provides a big vision for people to see what can be done in a, from a visionary perspective. But there's a lot of initiatives that are um, on the other side. There are a lot of initiatives here that you can see that um, we've actioned in the last few years, which is great. And we're looking at adding some more. So it's an evolving kind of planet plan. Oh, and there are, are quite a range of different sections within it and, and categories. And as you can see, as human-centered designers and designers, there's a real opportunity potentially to harness our volunteer skills to
0: helping with some of these kinds of areas. Awesome, thank you. We got the clicker working, woo! Yeah. All right, awesome. So um, now we've heard a little bit about Street and the amazing work that they do and a bit about the Planet plan. Um, but essentially we were faced with a little bit of a challenge at that point because a plan is still just a plan until you have a way to bring it to life. Um, And essentially, even though we're designers, we like to talk about opportunities rather than problems. When the planet plan first came about, we were faced with what felt like a lot of problems which were insurmountable. The first is that there is a shitload of work to do, essentially. Um, The planet plan itself is not short on ambition or ideas. And What we did to start with was just break that plan down into some kind of um, sort of specific bite-sized objectives which had really specific outcomes that we were trying to get to based on some of the insight that we had into um, our organization and also how our customers um, consume things from our organization. So you can see stuff up here like remember your cup research you can see hippie to are up there. We're trying to make uh, upcycled um, bi- bicycle tire coffee cups uh, kind of a more desirable thing. And these are just a couple of the examples that we've got. There are dozens of what we've called these mini briefs. And at the time, Fiona was only working one day a week to try and deliver all of these initiatives. Uh, And to boot on that we needed to do it with little to no um, expense to the business because of course we're a social enterprise. The next problem might be something that most people don't see as a problem except if you've worked in the non-profit or social enterprise space before. Because Street has such a great reputation in Melbourne um, we are not short of people knocking on the door wanting to help us out. Essentially, trying to understand how to make use of skilled volunteers' time in a really meaningful way has a lot of overheads associated with it. It's not as simple as you might think that it is. So while we have all of these people kind of wanting to offer their time, we end up having to do things like ask them to pack boxes for us, when in actual fact, we already had staff who were planning to do that anyway. The result is that sometimes the volunteers go away feeling like they might have done something great, but actually the return on investment for Street doesn't always match up so what about the volunteers themselves what about their perspective I'm sure pretty much everybody in this room likes the idea of giving some of their time to help the planet or help their fellow man I mean we all talk about wouldn't it be great to be able to volunteer um, you know at the weekends or life gets in the way and this is something that we've been hearing from our uh, volunteers time and time again A lot of organizations now have what they call social responsibility days. Does anyone have social responsibility days? Yeah. It's becoming more and more um, common, I think, and it's a great thing. But even that, we're still working on figuring out how to make those days effective. I think a a partner organization we spoke to recently said that only 8% of those social responsibility days are actually being used at the moment. Another thing is that just being a human in the world is kind of hard right now. (laughs) Thinking about how you can actually just as one individual move the dial on really challenging environmental issues can leave you feeling pretty helpless and hopeless. I mean, we're all contributing in our own ways uh, to a great big carbon footprint in the world. So actually trying to feel as though you've got any opportunity to move the dial by yourself is pretty hard work. So we have a bunch of ingredients here that by themselves kind of feel a little bit tricky, you're not quite sure how you're gonna turn these into an opportunity. But STREET as an organization are very innovatively minded. They're open to experimentation, and when Fiona approached Beck with the idea of uh, bite-sized activism, she couldn't wait to jump at the chance. So suddenly we have something that feels a little bit less like a problem and is starting to feel a bit like an opportunity. So that was the birth of bite-sized activism. Um, what follows from now is essentially how we took an intention, who we want to be and how we want to be in the world. And essentially that has snowballed in, uh, in so many meaningful and surprising ways since then. So I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. Um, Like so many other things, uh, we had actually started bite-sized activism a long time before we really believed that we had. So going back to 2017, when Fiona and her colleagues were working Heath Wallace at the time, uh, they saw an opportunity uh, with Street to bring on board uh, a few engineering students from the University of Melbourne. There they are. Never seen people more happy to be next to bins in my life. So what these people were doing with their expertise and as part of their course gaining credit for it, they were volunteering to help Street to do a baseline waste audit. And what that means is elbows deep in all the garbage, everything that was being thrown out, understanding all the things that were being ordered, observing the customers and the food waste and the packaging waste that was left over, and essentially creating a baseline understanding of where the opportunities to improve on that waste were. And one of the first opportunities they saw was that nearly 2,500 unrecyclable hand towels were being thrown away every week. And this is something that's really straightforward. Having that number gave enough leverage to take to to Beck and say, let's invest in some hand dryers and have some simple nudges in the bathrooms. And suddenly, the planet plan is visible. It's connected to the day-to-day of the business. Around the same time, uh, one of our site managers uh, called Sean, who turned out to have a background in environmental management. He saw this and was like, oh, cool. I I can kind of see how I can use that thing I learned at university now. And so off he went. And the next thing we knew, he'd brokered a deal with eWater. So I'm not going to pretend to know exactly how this works, because it's scientific magic, and I'm a designer. But um, essentially what eWater does is it takes uh, electricity and salt, uh, and it produces uh, amazing chemical-free cleansers, which are now being used across all of the street sites um, with no expense to them. Uh, Another thing that Sean did um, was uh, decide to commit to taking on 180,000 new employees in the form of composting worms. So these guys are happily chowing down on all of the organic waste from our kitchens. So... What started with, you know, a very simple kind of, hey, how about use the hand dryer rather than the hand towels, very quickly spiraled into something more than that. And sort of soon afterwards, we had a horticulturist come in and help us to design our kitchen garden at the Street HQ. Um, And then Fiona came on board, just one day a week, initially, as a volunteer to focus on the Planet Plan. Um, And not long after that, here we are, and we're... Formalising uh, impact frameworks, we're formalising mini briefs, and we actually have spent a lot of time and energy um, figuring out how we can formalise bite sized activism.
1: Yep. So, now to the fun bit the experiments. So we had a range of experiments that we decided to put to the test to see which ones might help us to actually achieve the objectives, which were to usefully harness the volunteer time, to be able to measure the impact that we were making, and create meaningful outcomes that would see the light of day. And the other thing that was really important for us is to see if these experiments could help to build a volunteer network on an ongoing basis as well. Um, So that was really important for us. And um, we were worried, though, a little bit that volunteers might not commit. We'd had experiences in the past with volunteers saying they would do things and then um, flaking out at the last minute and that would actually be worse than not trying in the first place. So we were a bit worried about that and we also thought it might take a lot of effort to set this up based on past experience but we had a go at it. So our first experience experiment was um, looking at, our, we worked with RMIT, the executive MBA program, the design thinking course that they had. We worked with Ingo Carp some of you may know on the right there, he leads the course and we worked with two classes so there were eight they broke into eight project teams and they helped us look at the idea of how could we reduce disposable cup use um, given that street is a coffee-based organization that seemed to be a pretty important problem to tackle. So, that's what we started with. And the students, we thought that our hypothesis for this experiment was that we generate some great outcomes. We knew that we were dealing with um, students that were managers or leaders already. They weren't undergraduates. So, we were really optimistic and hopeful. And they had a great um, leader as well. And we were also hoping that it would be a foundation for an ongoing relationship with RMIT. So, the things that they came out with, they went through the double diamond method, they came out with nudge campaigns, which sounds like a common sense and a good idea. Um, They came out with educational posters and and nudges, and they came up with the ideas of using cup recycling schemes, and they came up with ideas about how you might be able to drop off your cups if you were somewhere on a university campus. They also came up, and we've already seen this slide in the last 10-minute talk, actually, but um, they came up with social media ideas. And then they came up with some more unconventional things, like a Teflon-coated cup that you could clean out with a wipe and an edible cup. They also came up with the idea of street crates, which was the idea of street employees going around Melbourne streets um, collecting, collecting cups in an environmentally friendly way. So, that was all great, but what we landed on, we we will be using some of those ideas that they came out with, but the thing that we decided to take to the next stage immediately was around September. The idea of creating a month-long campaign in September um, that would be looking at how you could actually encourage yourself and other people to reduce their single-use coffee cup. Um, we didn't take it 100% literally, we actually thought we would take elements of that and take it forward to the next level, along with another, another project team came up with the idea of Tuesday reuse day, which was the idea of doing a top up um, after September to help people remember on Tuesdays to, you know, to level up again if they'd um, lapse, which we all do. Um, so, our learning was, we actually got some really great things out of that. We also learnt that um, we were amazed by the enthusiasm and energy that the teams put in. Um, They actually went above and beyond. um, And in one case, they actually did a trial coffee loan scheme at one of our sites, which I think some people in the audience um, would have experienced or been been aware of because they're actually on site where they work. Um, Our second experiment was a design relay. This was a bit of a scary experiment. A very scary experiment. Um, But we wanted to give a go. We knew that there are, as Harriet mentioned earlier, there are a lot of corporate volunteer days that just simply don't get used, and yet people want to volunteer. So we thought, what if we could create a framework where we could actually harness those volunteer days? So we decided to think of the idea of a Google Ventures sprint, and instead of having a team of people for one week doing defined things on each day, we thought what if we could actually get people to come in for one day or maybe two, but one day would be great Um, and see if we could actually pass the baton each day. And the idea that we wanted to work with or the challenge to solve was how could we create elements for September through a design relay. Now, this is all very well and good, but you can imagine it would be quite, quite a complex thing. So, we set up a few mechanisms to try and set us up for success. We created a Slack channel... We created zines that we could give to people every day so they could see what they were doing. We sent out a lot of emails and messaging and we were very lucky that we had four amazing facilitators for the days that we trusted and knew. And in particular, I'll give a big shout out to Louise. We had Louise who was the glue across all of the days in helping make sure that people knew what was going on. So we did that. And um, our hypotheses were that we would be able to harness those corporate volunteer days, create the elements of September we wanted. We'd be able to spread the word about September on social media. Um, We would hope that volunteers would feel that they're actually part of something bigger and making a difference. And we were hoping that we could also, again, build the volunteer network. We were worried, again, about that the volunteers might pull out as we were before. And we were also worried about that this might just be too much work. Um, so we backed ourselves into a corner and did it. We had people that attended our site um, at, at Cromwell where we were doing most of the, the headquarters work and we sent people out to different sites to do customer research and um, prototype building So, we did that. We came up with a bunch of prototypes that we tested. We leveraged behavioural design as well. You can see on the bottom right corner, um, we looked at September, BJ Fogg, the behavioural scientist's idea of creating new habits um, through tiny habits. Um, We were very lucky. We had 49 people that attended across the week and um, we only had one person pull out. We were really... It shocked in a in a good way. It was fantastic to have such a good turnout and we had really a lot of really good quality people um, and we also had a number of people who were from corporate environments so they were able to use their volunteer days. Um, we had some great feedback. We did a survey at the end and a retro and we got some nice feedback. People generally said they enjoyed attending. We had somebody say, you know, I felt more hope about the future than I had in a long time and that was a really great affirmation to us that we were helping people to feel engaged Um, and we also found out that people were they were networking they were able to make new friendships um, and connections so that was another side benefit Um, so what did we learn we got a lot of good things out of it that we've already I've already spoken about so the volunteer days and but one of the things that we had is people did We had a number of people who started on the Monday and decided to come back for other days um, once they got engaged. So it was a really nice thing to see that stickiness happen as well. Um, And the other thing that's worth mentioning was um, that RMIT told their students if they wanted to attend for a week, they could actually claim it as part of their course credit. And that was a really nice new thing for us to learn um, because it means that the university is clearly seeing that this is an educational opportunity too. And we have a bit of a surprise, but I'll save that for later. Um, Yes, but the things that we learnt that we could be looking at improving, we had almost too many people. And that was because we originally, we opened the floodgates because we were afraid not enough people would attend. And we found out that actually there's a big demand. So we can manage that in the future. We noticed that we had the skill sets that we had on different days didn't necessarily match the activities, so that's another area where we would be able to fine-tune it in the future. And um, we also think that there's ways of streamlining the handover every day because it was very labour-intensive. Um, and Finally, we thought that it's really important for people to know some constraints up front. We found out some of the constraints after the design relay and there were some things we had to pivot a little bit on, but having said that, we got some amazing things out of that week and we used a number of the elements that came out of the design relay for September.
0: Over to Harriet. Thank you. Awesome. So- We've talked about bite-sized activism and how it can work in an academic environment. We've used the design relay to open up street um, and getting involved in street to individuals. But what about taking it out to the corporates? We know we have all of these um, underutilized days. Um, How can we utilize some of those partnerships that we're making with corporates? So this is an area that we're still very much exploring. We've just done a couple of quick experiments. The advantages to um, working with corporates is, and, and the design communities that they have is kind of um, obvious. I mean, what an amazing thing to have those resources and those expertise at your fingertips. Another really cool thing, though, that we were thinking about is that these corporates, the big ones, you know, they're communities in and of themselves, and we know that nothing provokes behaviour change like seeing everybody in your village doing the same thing, right? So. If we know that um, people who are participating in this kind of work are kind of becoming advocates for the cause, then what better way than to kind of infect just a whole community all at once? However, we were not without trepidation, as um, Fiona's already talked about. We've had some experience with some pretty flaky volunteers in the past, um, and in particular, that can be true of um, people from corporates, um, especially if you don't necessarily have that personal relationship already intact. Um, we also thought uh, that the experiments that you're about to, to see, we went in expecting that shorter amount of times might, might actually be better for those engagements. Um, we know that people are time poor, um, and so essentially, how can we try and get uh, the most meaningful outcome for the shortest time investment? So the first thing that we did was um, we were approached by um, an organization's volunteer coordinator. Um, they'd recently made a bit of a donation to Street, And in exchange, they thought it would be really great if they had a kind of group of volunteers come spend some time with us. Um, they'd requested, let's do something creative. Let's try and solve a real problem. And we were really excited. Uh, we put together a whole agenda, um, a proper ideation workshop to um, with one of the mini briefs and informing September. Um, but unfortunately, very quickly our fears were realised. Uh, one by one, the volunteers all started to bail out on us at the last minute. Um, and we made lemonade from the lemons, of course. We prototyped our own workshop. We actually got some really great outcomes from it. But it's, again, one of those um, important takeaways that for volunteers, there isn't really an understanding in advance that if they're not there, there's actually been a time investment from the other side in terms of making sure that everything's ready for them and the onboarding. Um, so it was a really, it was kind of a expectations fulfilled, but not all lost. Um, The second experiment that we ran was with ANZ. I think actually there's people from that in the audience somewhere. But um, essentially what we did here was uh, we worked with some of our sort of personal networks inside the design teams at ANZ. And we piggybacked onto one of their um, after work kind of design community meetups. We decided that what we wanted to do was um, ask them in just an hour and a half to uh, come up with ideas for the digital engagement aspect of September. Digital designers, this is totally up their street. It's going to be awesome. Uh, So there was good vibes. The wine was flowing. So was the cheese. Um, And actually, the whole situation was perfectly timed, because they're actually just about to open up their own street cafe inside the building. So we thought, what better opportunity? The outcomes from that piece of work were, uh, from uh, that engagement with ANZ, were were great. Um, They were pretty hilarious suggestions. We, I think we had um, a Tamagotchi keep cup that you had to keep alive throughout September. That was my personal favourite. Not necessarily implementable, but a joy nonetheless. Um, but what did come out of it actually was because of the sort of growth in the relationship and with the community there, um, and because they're having their own cafe opening up soon, uh, we managed to get to the point where now um, they're, they're going to open up their own community cupboard. It's nothing rocket science, but it is a set of reusable cups um, or ceramic cups that anyone from inside the building can come and get a cup of coffee from, and the cleaners will bring it back at the end of the day. It just helps people going down to the lobby to get a cup of coffee and taking a disposable cup back to their desk by one floor. Um, so we've moved, moved the dial a little bit. I think we did confirm, or at least we're still confirming, but we think it's important to have personal relationships and to help um, to help ensure that we're actually going to be giving and getting good value. There's something about that B2B relationship with the kind of formal volunteer coordinator that potentially could be a bit of a barrier to making sure that people actually rock up on the day. Um, And the sort of hypothesis about smaller time, I think we're maybe not convinced that less time is better. I mean, I think there's something interesting about the environment that we were in with the, with the cheese and the wine. It was really fun, but it was kind of setting a jovial tone, which was awesome to be a part of, but does it necessarily send the message of um, you know, serious outcomes. And that's really, obviously, with time invested by a social enterprise, what we really need to be sort of swinging for. So by this point, we've conducted quite a lot of experiments. There have been some really painful bits, there have been some really joyful, uplifting bits, um, and um, there's been some failures along the way, but also some great successes. Um, It's safe to say that in that time, we've activated the design and innovation community in a way that's going to make really um, significant inroads into Street's Planet Plan. We've also, created a community which is going to go on and on beyond people's individual engagements and the more friends we make the more friends of friends we keep being introduced to so the community keeps growing which is uh, utterly awesome and not only that um, we've been kind of just playing with this whole idea about um, bite-sized activism for some time and now that we've been doing it we have proven frameworks that are repeatable, they're scalable. We know they work and we know that we can get great value for them, which means that we can just continue with this great work with less of the overhead that we started with. But there have also been some tricky things along the way. That difference between a committed versus an uncommitted volunteer has been the most challenging one. We were thinking about what's the difference between you know, that uh, volunteer uh, or organ- that volunteer coordinator versus the 49 people that rocked up at um, the design relay. And actually, I think the work that Louise and Fiona put into actually emailing everybody each day, this is what you're going to be doing. We can't wait to see you. And then just creating that friendly environment when they're there. There's a need to be able to see your contribution as an individual and to feel recognized as an individual to help you understand the value that you're able to bring, but also the deficit that will be there if you don't rock up. So that's something that's really important. (laughs) Another thing that we learned is that sometimes when you give teams of people who are trying to solve a challenge your brand name to run away with, that can get a bit risky. Um, We did have a couple of situations where um, really well-intended teams uh, would uh, suddenly arrive in floods at the busiest time of day in our cafes and start uh, berating our customers with questions. So that was pretty fun. The staff did not know what was going on. Um, We even had uh, teams of uh, people kind of introducing themselves to other organizations and brokering partnerships on behalf of Street. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was terrifying, actually. (laughs) So, you know, as much as these things are, you know, they're signals of really positive intentions, but there's also some risk associated with that we obviously need to be mindful of um, and clear signalling of intention. Um, I go back to the cheese and wine night. Were we signalling that what we wanted was a serious outcome? It's very much the medium is the message with those kind of environments. So how are we making sure that we're doing that as deliberately as we can? Okay, for time. Cool. All right. So. Maybe you're um, working in a corporate and you've got a team of people that you think um, should be using their social responsibility days. Maybe you're somebody who's got days that you don't know what to do with. Maybe you're a nonprofit organization who's just looking how the hell to activate all of those volunteers who are so keen to come and do work for you. These are our key takeaways. First of all, you can't grow a garden without tilling the soil first. Something that Street has been really deliberate about is creating this fertile environment for bite-sized activism to really flourish. First of all, it's about setting an intention. The Planet Plan is it's just words on a piece of paper. But what it does is it puts your, um, your will, it puts your mission out into the world, and it puts pressure on yourself to actually just start activating it. But it also gives people a window in to understand what your intentions are and the ability to start seeing themselves in this. I've declared that this is what I'm trying to get to. These are the skills that I might need. This is my most glamorous slide. (laughs) Um, But the mini briefs is another way of doing that. Um, We're designers. We love a good brief, Um, but something as simple as breaking down that 50-year plan into something that's digestible and that's something that someone can pick up and go, oh, hey, I know a bit about that. Let me see if I can just do something. Um, The other really important thing to mention is uh, impact measurement. So we're fortunate enough to have um, an absolutely amazing chief impact officer at Street, Um, who already had this great framework in place for the um, hospitality initiatives that we were launched with. Um, So we've extended that to measure all of the outcomes from the Planet Plan as well. And just that ability to point to the tangible and evidenced um, impact that all of our activities have have been able to have um, has just meant that we're telling a consistent story um, and we just get more momentum as we go. And finally... um, I think there's something that's also really important about affirmative action and leadership. So behind me this is Beck again, this is during the design relay and she's actually brokering a deal live in front of the relay participants. Um, There's something about this yes and attitude, just being open to opportunity and taking them. And she's not the only example of this, she's somebody who sets an example. But if you think about the volunteers all the way through this, the university students, uh, Sean, who got the e-water and the, and the hide all those worms, you know, um, we're creating an environment where it's okay to lean in and say, I'm just going to give this a try. And that's really important.
1: Thank you. And the other thing that we thought was really valuable and interesting was about noticing the ripples. And it was interesting to hear Kate talk about, this morning, talking about unintended consequences. And we found some of the unintended consequences to be really valuable and and, and, and positive, and others are things that we need to watch out for. So, first of all, during our design relay, we actually had a really interesting win. Um, So, the person that you can see on the left in this picture is Jamie Forsyth. And he is a co-founder of Keep Cup. So, most people have probably heard of Keep Cup. He's also um, CEO and founder of an organisation called Returner. And Returner, for those who may not have heard of it, they have these aluminium or steel bowls that you can you can rent out when you go to various cafes and you can bring them back and you, or you can keep them, if you like, for a small fee. Um, so, he actually saw that what we were doing, he turned up, Um, during our design relay on after we invited him to come along when we saw he was a bit interested and He started to um, share his insights from an entrepreneur perspective. Beck also turned up at that point and there was a really interesting dynamic on day four where Beck and Jamie started to broker a bit of a deal where Jamie announced that he was actually coming up with the cups you can see on the right there. Um, They're not actually in the market yet but he he suggested that maybe they could be part of our September plans. So we started to have a bit of a a go at thinking about brokering a deal and what was very interesting, Beck went away and um, this is what happened. In the afternoon, she came back. Um, again
0: and again and again, has said you need to build a scheme where there's reusable, there's a you know, there's a pool of cups. Um, we didn't think we could do it for this campaign because it's such a short timeline. If he's got a product that's going to market in two weeks time, and it's and it has many of the problems solved for us, I think we should just put a stake in the ground, and say we're using Returner. Um, so, so I think I, I need to go back and talk to the team now because there's a little bit of a challenge. We don't have dishwashing facilities in um, either of them.
1: Or either of those locations. Basically, um, yeah, they didn't have dishwashers in either of the locations, um, and so Beck had to actually convince the chief operations manager that um, it would be okay to go ahead with this. Um, And but we have agreed; Street has agreed to actually incorporate a trial using returner cups at two of their sites very soon, as soon as Jamie's ready. Actually, we're we're waiting on him, (laughs) which is great. And the other thing that was... Another ripple effect that was really interesting is we did a bit of a survey of people after they'd attended and a retrospective, and we found that a number of people felt a sense of stewardship, um, a sense of being an ambassador once they'd attended an event um, like the Design Relay they felt a sense that they had a responsibility to pass the word and to take personal responsibility for their own sustainability actions. Um, Here's an example of somebody talking who, this is Dan actually, who facilitated day five and his views on that.
0: So it's not only are you designing um,
1: uh, solutions over this design sprint, you're also kind of having this personal
0: development or like uh, you have a bit of a... A bit of an awakening when you come back, um, which is really interesting.
1: Yeah. So that was another interesting finding that we'd like to sort of keep fostering. Um, the final thing that um, that the unintended the unintended consequence or the ripple effect was people got really excited, and we while we've had some really great long-term partnerships. um, That's a a positive. We've also felt that there's a lot of um, energy and excitement and people wanting to do a lot of things really quickly. And we have to keep going back to our planet plan, to the impact tracker, so that we can actually start to think about how we can make sure that we're doing things that are meaningful rather than things that are exciting. Um, So that's a very important learning that we had in terms of the ripple effect. So the other thing that we found that we thought was really important is it's just important to just get shit done. You just have to get in there and do things. And that's an obvious thing. And I know we all say don't procrastinate. But when you're doing things like this, it can actually sometimes feel a bit scary. When you're trying to massage a whole different methodology into something else and you're bringing a whole lot of people, you're very visible. So that was a bit of a scary thing. Um, And I have to admit, I sometimes find I procrastinate a bit. One of the things I did or a technique I use is um, backing myself into a corner. So, a bit of a confession. Um, When I put the proposal in for us to talk here today, we hadn't done the design relay. I thought if I put it in the proposal and I say in the outline we plan to do it by the time we get to the the conference, then I have to do it. I've backed myself into a corner. There's no way out. Um, So, that was a a little bit of a technique for me anyway. I don't know. It might work for other people. It might scare other people too much. I don't know. But (laughs) a little tip anyway. Um, So, getting shit done and the thing about getting shit done is that that's actually part of Street's DNA as well. This is a bit of a manifesto on Street's website that Beck wrote and it's about the people she likes to work with or or Street likes to work with. It's about people who dream big creative get shit done and have fun at the same time they're all really important things and fortunately we found a lot of other people with like mindsets that we've able to been able to engage with and one of the other things that we found is that there are a lot of people between jobs who might be thinking I want a bit of a sense of purpose I want a bit of values realignment and we welcome them with open arms to come in and work with us on our planet plan and that's been something that we've really enjoyed doing very recently since our experiments. And I guess we talked about this September thing. So what's happened with September? So basically, we're about to launch that on Monday. There's going to be a campaign in Melbourne. Um, it's got a bit of a Kiwi theme to it, as you can see there, with the sweetest brew sort of theme. Um, we're looking at changing. We're looking at um, a target of 33% uh, reusing reusable cups, and that's um, for streets. Average um, use of reusable cups at the moment is 25% across stores. That compares to about three to seven percent. Um, nationally, um, and of course, in our closed loop systems, it's nearly 100%. But that's what we're looking at doing. But what we really would like to say is you know, it's Street's not a confidential corporation, it's about open source, creating things that other people can use. And we're looking at maybe next year we'd like to incorporate this whole campaign with other cafes, other organisations, etc. But we'd really like to open this up to anybody who would like to take part. You don't need to be in Melbourne to take part in, in September. We're going to have... Um, there's going to be a social media campaign. We're going to be running a lot of other uh, social media campaign. We're going to have posters. We're going to have impact tracking in our cafes. And we'll be looking at collecting impact digitally as well. Um, but also, we're, doing, we're looking at that whole tiny habits thing I mentioned before. We're actually going to have a bit of a digital five-day... Um, habits challenge that people might want to get involved in. Um, so, I don't know, if everybody in the audience here, I'd just be curious to know, how many people uh, have a keep cup or a reusable cup? If you could just put your hand up. How many people sometimes don't use it because, put, keep your hand up if you sometimes don't remember it or you don't use it for whatever reason? Yeah, and and, and and do you wish that you did? Hands up if you wish that you did, though. And hands up, hands up those people who don't have one but wish they had bought one, but they just haven't gotten around to it. Well, nobody's willing to, to admit. Oh, yeah, we've got a brave soul. But you know, it's not a judgment thing because you know, geez, I know the number of times that I have been you know guilty of not, not doing what I would ideally like to do but I guess my point is if you if you're in any of those categories where you're not 100% doing what you would ideally like to do and you'd love to give Tiny Habits a, a, a go, there's a URL up there, um, you can sign up and um, take part and we'd love to hear from you if you do decide and if you also just want to you know, challenge yourself and share on social media what you're doing we've got a got a hashtag there <laughs> we'd love to hear from you So I guess just thank you very much, everybody, for listening.
0: Thank you. Really appreciate it.